0: Welcome to the Australian Property Investment Podcast with your host, Aaron Christie-David. Each episode, we ask an expert to share their key insights for aspiring investors to make confident property choices. G'day, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. My name is Aaron Christie-David, founder of Atelier Wealth and mortgage broker to investors. And each episode, we like to bring in an expert professional in their field and today's guest is absolutely that and more. And I'm super excited to have joining us on this episode is none other than Mr. Michael Yardney from Metropole. G'day, Michael. How are you doing? Hello, Aaron. Thanks for having me on. Mate, thanks for your time. I really appreciate it. I think it's worth chatting before about being locked down in Melbourne, but mate, that hasn't dampened your spirits at all. In fact, you, you sound more bubbly than ever, which is, which is you in a nutshell, I'm guessing. I guess you've got to learn to control the bits of your life you can control.
1: (laughs) And I've actually stopped worrying about those bits I can't control because it only gets me down if I think about those.
0: I love it. I love it. That's the attitude, right? That's probably why, uh, mate, you and your business is the test of time. And that's what I'd ideally love to have a chat about today. And, um, and we've had it. I've had the privilege of speaking to you in the past. And one thing that's really struck me is, you're someone that keeps giving. You're, you're giving content. You're giving your time. You're giving your IP. You're building your business. And it feels like it's come from such a, such a great place that you're a uh, call for what is, you're not here to sell. You're here to, to inform. You're here to educate and, and see investors going to do some great and magical things. And I think that's in an industry where our respective industries where selling can often be the winner, giving is far more greater. Is that fair? I think it's a great
1: way of looking at it but it came to me I guess about 30 years ago when I was at a very downtime in my life I went through a, a divorce and what I nicely called my asset reallocation program yeah. and and a friend of mine said Michael if you help other people achieve what they want to in life you're going to get everything that you want in life as well and so that has been my attitude and of course there's a, a motive behind it. I'd like to get more Australians financially free, more Australians financially literate because they're not, because I'd rather build Australia and our community uh, to be wealthier rather than pull us down to the common denominator. Mm. Let's drag everybody up to the top.
0: Absolutely. It's such a sentiment that, uh, that I resonate with as well, because we're all about helping investors play a bigger game, play, a, 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 play at a higher intensity, a higher frequency for people. And that comes off investing in yourself. That comes off being around the right partners, good quality, high caliber partners that have your best. in so client's best intentions at heart. Naturally, relationships will then lead to doing business or doing some work together. It's a win win. They win because they've bought a great property, they're succeeding in life. And we get to win that we've been able to help and serve Morozies more as well, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Sure, that's right. Yeah. Excellent, mate. So take me on a bit of a journey because I know you've you've had a uh, a great time in Australian property uh, and investing as well. And I understand that your journey goes back, and I don't want to kind of show your age, mate, but your journey goes back to investing in the 70s from what I understand. That's
1: right, yes. Well, I guess that does show my age. Uh,
0: <laughs> You're a weak I've kid. I've invest- learned
1: a lot <laughs> along the way. So I bought yeah. my first property in the early 70s, but I came from poor background. My parents were migrants. I came to Australia at the age of three, so I guess I was a migrant too. Mm. And my parents' friends were wealthier. My friends' parents Mm. were were wealthier. They were the same people. But they had businesses. My parents didn't. My father wouldn't take a risk on that. He wanted Mm. the security, so to speak, of it being an employee. My friends' parents had properties. They invested in real estate. In fact, they had a car when until I know I was 8, 9, 10, my parents didn't have a car. Uh-huh. They went on holidays. And so I saw what they did mm. and I saw what my parents did. And my parents were very good to me and taught me a lot of great things, but they didn't teach me really good money messages, lessons. And I thought when I was young, I wanted to be a real estate agent because I thought they're yeah. the other people who make the money. They drove the fancy cars and they dug in all these big properties. <laughs> and nothing's how wrong changed I was, since the 70s but I,
0: to now. But <laughs> yeah, how
1: yeah. wrong I was. Having said that, I have got a real estate licence and we've got licensed estate agencies in Sydney, Brisbane, and Melbourne, but yeah. we've actually never sold property. We've actually gone on the other side, which wasn't around in those days, yeah. and we help people buy property. Nice. So and I bought my first property in the age of, I was in my early 20s. Aaron. I had done part-time work. I'd worked during the holidays, school holidays, uni holidays, and saved, I think, $1,000, and my parents saved a 1000 and we went halves in a property in Large Street, South Caulfield, and paid $18,000. It's incredible. So we took a $16,000 loan for 30 years and had no idea how we were going to pay it off. But the exciting thing was we got $12 a week rent. <laughs> That's incredible. <laughs> now, that yeah. property was great timing. It was actually in... I actually bought in the same suburb where I went to school, uh, two streets behind where my mother went shopping, made all the typical mistakes. That's all I knew. There wasn't all the the ways of finding out about property in those days, Aaron. So what ended up happening was the Labor government came into Australian politics. uh, It came into power. Inflation went up. The value of my property went up so much. No one told me. I thought, hey, this is great. Look, Mm -hmm. I could borrow again, and I did. So I used the equity from that to buy my next property. and. When I got married, I sold that first property to right. my parents. I went I sold my half, paid 18,000, sold my half for 32,000. Nothing. Exactly. And then I bought it back from my mother, Pam, my current wife and uh, uh, and I bought it in the 90s for 250,000 and about Uh, 15 years ago, we pulled down the old house and built two townhouses. So my first property, $18,000 is worth probably about $2.5 million today, Aaron.
0: That's incredible. That's incredible. Uh, Obviously, it's time in the market and and you hear this a lot, which is time in the market versus time in the market. From that, are you a firm believer that you've got to stay the course and buy and hold or what's been your intention of building your, your own portfolio?
1: Well, When I first started, I thought you had to time the market because that's what Mm. people said. Uh, be fearful when others are greedy, be greedy when others are fearful, buy when there's blood in the streets. Um, And so I learned a lot of hard lessons along the way. And I realized that actually it's wrong and you can't, and it's too difficult to time the market. And so the right time to buy, in my opinion, is when your finance is right, when you've got a secure job, uh, especially if you know what you're wanting to achieve. So I didn't start off knowing what I wanted. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a strategy other than I knew I wanted to be rich and I wanted to be (laughs) like, those other wealthy property owners. Um, but, but I've learned over time that compounding of good decisions, financial decisions, and, and owning the right property, time leverage works really well. But if you own the wrong property, it actually works in uh, reverse. So on balance, it's important, but there's lots of other
0: factors as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's commonly what they call the dumb tax, for example. So it's not exactly what you buy, but it's also what you don't buy as well Mm. that can kind of make or break you, isn't it? Sure. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. So take me on a journey. So you've gone on buying properties personally, and now you've got a business, Metropole, which kind of launched in, I'm going to say around 2000. Um,
1: Well. The original Metropole properties way, goes way back to 1979. It was not my first company, but yeah. it was a family company that I set up at the time. But the Metropole that deals with the public mm. uh, was around the year 2000. I was involved in property renovations from the eight, in the eighties, uh, property development. I got into some really brave developments in the, th- in my thirties and forties. And, and um, I thought I was smart. One of the worst things that a beginning investor can do is get it right first time. You think you're smarter than you are. And the mm. cycle taught me some interesting lessons. I managed to live through the, the recession we had to have in the early nineties when the value of some of, I bought some big commercial properties, got involved in some large commercial developments. And I started that uh, cycle with a, 30% loan uh, equity 70% loan to value ratio and the property values dropped that much that i had no equity at all and the bank yeah. said sell and i said who to no one's buying commercial <laughs> properties at the moment i had the cash flow to get through so i actually learned some lessons along the way about property development property investment cash flow management um and then when i was reestablishing myself after my divorce in the middle of uh, 90s, I started helping others with development project management. So, I was doing property developments, but there was only so much I could do and there weren't other people doing it. So, we were starting to buy sites with development approval or get development approval. And there weren't buyers agents in those days. There was one or two just starting. So, I started to help people buy properties to keep, not to trade to keep developments. We put syndicates of developers together, clients we put together and you'd own unit one and I don't well actually I wasn't involved, but I, I never got involved working with clients, but somebody else had own unit two and the other one owned unit three. And they'd get together and do the whole lot and it worked nicely. But then I suddenly realized well, not everyone can afford to or wants to be a developer. Mm. So we started our buyers agency business in the early 2000s, we started property management in 2001, 2002, my wife Pam did. We now look after over $2 billion worth of assets under property management. Excellent. And we've bought four and a half, probably getting close to $5 billion worth of investments for clients. So it's given us a great database to see what works, what doesn't work, how it works. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's going gangbusters despite COVID, Aaron.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, COVID, it's uh, its just taken the property market to a whole new level, hasn't it? But one thing you're probably looking back and when you say, where well, you can see all the clients that you've enabled and assisted throughout that time, there's going to be some standout clients, uh, the ones that have gone on to build maybe some really good portfolios or high-performing portfolios and maybe the ones that started out but lost some momentum along the way and for whatever reason haven't continued on when they've probably had potential to kick on. So I want to kind of lift the hood on on that scenario to go, when you're looking at your your client base and some of the people that you've worked with, the ones that have gone and become exceptional performers, and I'm not talking about quantity portfolio, so it's not about the number of properties, but it's about the quality of their portfolio versus the ones that kind of started and had the same game plan but kind of lost, for whatever reason, lost that momentum. Can you kind of put a finger on what's happened there from your perspective? Sure.
1: I used to think it was related to the knowledge that you had or the amount of money that you had. But somewhere along the way, probably 20 years ago, I recognized that the difference between successful investors, successful business people, successful entrepreneurs and the average is actually their mindset. And so I started studying the psychology of success and I've recognized that you do need a particular mindset to be successful in property or, or in anything in life. So. Some people are just not made to be property investors. They buy a property and they worry and they're concerned and they argue about a $200, spend two hours arguing about a $200 electricity bill when they should have been doing wow. other things instead. There we so, go. Yeah, I'm like, you missed the point. You, you if it, know, if it,
0: yeah, if it's going to break you back over $200, you've missed the point. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. They've forgotten the big
1: picture. Or, hey, I'm paying too much land tax. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know it hurts, but it's a it's a wealth tax. I agree. On the other hand, you're paying land tax or you're paying tax because you're making money. It's a part of Correct. doing business. So one of the big differences you asked about the successful people is actually the way they think. Mm. Now it's interesting. You can get to a particular level, but not many people get to the next level. So we actually help our clients become successful, and our results were audited a couple of years ago. It was I think it was last year when we found that we know the statistic that there's twenty odd thousand Australians. Uh, who own six or more properties. Mm. We know the percentage of those who own them. And our clients that were 7.3 times more likely than the average investor to own six or more properties. Wow. So I was very proud of, of, of those results. Now they're skewed by the fact that we've got a lot of beginning investors starting to who've only got one or two, but we've managed uh, the assets for and look after and advise a whole lot of very successful investors. And part of that's come around by putting a strategic plan together. So Mm. while there's lots of buyers' agents out there, buyers' agency is only a really small part of our business. We believe our job is to help our clients grow, protect, and pass on their wealth. So to do that, we have a financial planning arm, we have a wealth advisory arm, we have property buyers' agency, um, uh, renovations, development, property management, and even business advisory, Aaron. But it all starts by putting a plan together. You actually have to know where you're heading. So I was... Last week, I got an email from a journalist. Can I speak to you about it? Yeah, sure. Of course, I love being in the media. If you had $500,000, where would you invest? And if you had a million dollars, where would you invest? Because that's the stories they want to know. And that's the stories that the clients come and ask us about, Aaron. Yeah. And I disappointed him because I didn't tell him. Not because I don't know where to, because what suits me as an investment doesn't suit you, Aaron, who's I know already a successful investor, and it doesn't suit a beginner. They're different needs. Mm -hmm. So I said, no, I'm not going to tell you that. What I'm going to say is invest in your knowledge and get a good team around you, a good finance strategist, because that makes such a huge difference, a good Mm -hmm. tax account, a good property strategist, and build a plan. Because all our clients start by having a plan of where they want to go. What they want to achieve is it realistic in their timeframes? Are they going to stop and have a baby in a couple of years and therefore their cash flow is going to change? So, what we do is build a, a, a plan that isn't actually using our financial planning arm, it's not uh, controlled by ASIC, but if they were to look at it, they'd I think be very happy with the, the robustness of it, yep. and then we pull in a number of different consultants depending upon their needs, whether it's uh, a- asset uh, protection, structuring, planning, finance, etc. And only after they've got a plan then will we make a recommendation of where to go? It makes no difference to us whether it's Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane. We have pretty strict criteria about property, and I bet you're going to ask me about that. But it all starts by putting a plan together and then
0: bringing your future to the present, I guess, and
1: doing something about
0: it. Yeah. And it's almost the, the unsexy part of investing, which is a boring, let's get a strategy, let's get a plan in place. And people just want to go, let's just buy a property. I've got this momentum. I've got this, I've got the the gust all about it. And it feels like that's where they get sold the next hotspot, for example. And again, probably why you let the the journal down is because you don't want to give away a hotspot. And that's what effectively what the underlying message in that article is. It's kind of here's where to buy and spruik in particular areas as opposed to hang on, but are you buying for capital growth? Are you buying for- Yep. Cash flow, sure. like buying for development upside, for example. And you're exactly right. Like what suits one person is going to suit another investor depending on where they are in their life cycle.
1: E- exactly yeah. right. And over time, you change and you grow and you mature. So we help our clients fix their problems, because we see so many people who come in who've bought a dud property, made a mistake, and they're not sure should they sell or shouldn't they. We actually help them avoid mistakes along the way because we've made them all. Aaron, I've made them all. I shouldn't (laughs) have sold that first property that I I, I bought back. I've learned difficultly uh, a lot lot of mistakes along the way. So most of my mistakes have been self-inflicted. So we help our clients uh, avoid problems, and we help them improve their returns by not fighting the big trends. So, no, we didn't buy in mining towns. We didn't buy in Hobart or the latest hotspots. We are very fussy about what we do because we actually recommend to buy in locations that have always worked rather than what works now. Because, again, if you take a long-term view, well, see, I guess the average Australian worries about what they're going to do on the weekend, uh, mm. a smart investor will think about what they're going to do in a year or two, but the multi-multi-millionaires, they think about what they're going to do in 10, 20 years down the track, decades away. So that's the sort of view we take rather than the ups and downs.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I guess it's playing the long game and that's, you call it delayed gratification, for example, but the long game is it's hard, I guess, for us to see so far in advance to go, well, what can I mm. be doing 10 years? Because I want to Call it by ten properties in ten years, which I've seen very few investors actually go on to achieve. So hard today, properties. isn't it? Yeah, it's it's, it's not an almost impossible. almost. Imp- I almost agree with you. Impossible. Yeah,
1: Ooh, that's the other big thing that's changed. The strategy we were using, like living off equity and borrowing yeah. to buy more properties, that changed after the global financial crisis. Being mm-hmm. in finance, you know that property is a game of finance with some. Houses thrown in the middle. Correct. So you you can't buy 10
0: properties in 10
1: minutes anymore, can
0: you? Matt, you can't. And I guess the other part is the bank's policies have changed and 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 they've dialed them up. I mean, shading rental income was a foreign concept. Go back four years ago. It was never mm. a concept. Factoring credit cards, or whatever it is, or living expenses was not a concept a few years ago. So I always feel like lending is where it is now. It's never going to roll back to what it was in the glory days. This is set of new norm. So we've got to play within these bounds and go. Yep. Just it's going to continue to get more restricted as more Australians start to kind of edge their way into investing in property. And some will do well and others will get their hearts broken as well. So, how do we, how do we position our clients, our respective clients to go? Well, let's put you in the top tier of investors, which means it's the message that we're projecting onto them. Cause I feel like some people project no. So, some advisors will say, I don't think it's a smart idea. And like, who are we to project? our own beliefs onto a client as well. I think that they need to kind of have a bit of a plan under our leadership as well. Is that fair that your experience sure. has itself that? Like? Probably
1: investment is simple, but it's not easy, and that's not a play on words. It's simple because others have done it. There is a mm. formula. There is a framework for those who are successful, but it's not easy because fear and greed get in the way, emotion gets in the way. We all think we're rational, but we're not rational <laughs> about money. Um, and then there's the media that's continuously giving us uh, all the negative stuff. There's the perennial doomsayers, the negative yeah. Nellies who scare people off. So it's actually hard to stay in. Aaron, one of the interesting things I was no- I've was i noticed this year is that property investors in Sydney in particular, so we, we manage thousands of properties for, for clients, and they're currently selling up mm. because the market's doing well. And as soon as somebody in our property management department hears the landlord and says, Oh, can I get an agent through there wanting to inspect it? To, I'm thinking of selling my property, they yeah. get us to speak to they get them to speak to one of our property managers. And their properties are going up a thousand dollars a day in Sydney. Why are they selling? Yeah. So you've got to take them back to The original plan, what was the intention of it? But they caught, get caught up with the hype. Some are wanting to cash in. Others are scared because of the doomsayers of what may happen. So I'll, I'll, I'll get out now. People, it's hard to keep going. It's boring. My strategy is too boring for many people it's actually to buy a good property when you can afford to in the right location add value over time and just let it keep working and i say to my clients if you want excitement go bungee jumping <laughs> go trail bike riding property investments not meant to be exciting but they want the buying and the selling and the exciting bits Aaron.
0: yeah i agree uh, And speaking of money and i mean you go we'll go back a step to where you spoke about the psychology of success and then that's largely linked to people's relationship with money um when i've read it, a lot of your your updates on your blogs. Your blogs are, are killer content, by the way, and uh, even the books that you've produced, one of the books actually on my bookshelf right behind me, but um, you speak about rich habits, poor habits, for example. Mm. You speak about money as a mindset and, I guess, your relationship to money. Why has that become such an important message for you as opposed to, hey, buy"? here's the principles of buying and building a property portfolio? And and, and I guess you've gone on a slight, I wouldn't say tangent, but you've got a certain direction about the importance of a, a, a quality relationship to mastering money as opposed to money kind of mastering us? Gee, that's a nice play on the word.
1: But <laughs> the answer really is because, as I said earlier on, the difference between successful property investors, business people, entrepreneurs, is their psychology, the way they think. Successful people think in a different way it was first written by Wallace Wattles and T. Harveckers in his great book, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, put it slightly better, and he said, your thoughts lead to your feelings, Your feelings lead to your actions and your actions lead to your results. So your outside world is a reflection of your inside world, your thinking, the thinking that leads to your feelings, that that makes you make decisions. And so for many years, I've been mentoring people. I've almost uh, cut back that mentorship program, but over 15 odd years, I mentored about 3,000 people and I became good friends with Tom Corley in the United States who did a study of wealthy people, his Rich Habits, Poor Habits study. And we wrote a book called Rich Habits, Poor Habits. And mm. I'm very proud of that because that's been translated into five foreign languages, yeah. which shows that these Needs these thoughts, these ideas, the concepts are necessary all over the world. And and it's been an international bestseller and a bestseller here. Interestingly, last year alone, I was amazed. We sold 38,000 copies in Taiwan of rich habits, poor habits. And the population is only about the double the size of Australia. But there's people wanting to learn, wanting to, aspiring to grow. And so what I learned was, I can help my clients, and those who are not my clients, the people who listen to my podcast, the Michael Yardy podcast, or or read my Property Update blog, I can help them more by thinking like wealthy people, like the rich people, because all this is happening at an unconscious level. 80% of what you do every day is the same as what you did before, and it's because of things you heard, things you saw, things Mm -hmm. you uh, experienced as a child from your parents so i didn't experience good habits from my parents money habits uh, yeah. good habits in other areas interesting my sister became very much my like my parents they're your early mentors the apple doesn't fall far from the tree but i was angry i was cross i was uh, uh unhappy that we were poor so mm. i tried to do things differently Aaron, unfortunately, if your motivation to get rich is because you're angry or because you feel insecure, it doesn't help. So I had to learn those lessons the hard way by chasing money for the wrong reasons early Mm. on. But I did learn by doing those sort of things uh, that uh, the way you think about money and the way you think about people who are wealthy is a very important factor in how successful you're going to be.
0: I absolutely agree with you. I hear everything you're saying there as well. And uh, one of the things that I've really taken away from what you're saying is, and it's investing in property has a very similar pathway to building a business and being self-employed. And when I talk to a lot of our property investor clients, like you have to see your portfolio through the eyes of being a business owner. Mm. So looking at it, uh, making good quality decisions around the team that you're going to bring on the journey with you as well. But also, I guess having that really clear game plan about your KPIs, about your numbers, about your performance, and what you can do to kind of dial that up, for example, as well. You've spoken about that, I think, in your from your experience as well about seeing yourself as an entrepreneur, as as a as a business owner for your portfolio. So when you're when you're assisting investors, what's some of the other guidance or what's some of the insights that you have given them as well that have in your mentorship that you've kind of spoken about that have been nuggets of wisdom that they've gone to go, hey, that was a a little bit of a game changer or that has kind of set me on this particular path as well.
1: Well, what you said a moment ago about treating your property as a business is important. So what a business owner does is review the performance. So we provide our clients with an annual portfolio review. Okay. And the question is, how's it going? How did you expect that property to perform? Why Mm. is it not working at the moment? Is it because it's just a wrong time in the cycle? Um, Is it because you couldn't improve it? Is it because it didn't work right? It wasn't the right investment you bought wrong. And so, therefore, you've got that difficult discussion with them because they're emotionally involved. Now, to be fair, most of those that haven't bought the right property, in fact, almost all of them, ones who bought the property themselves before they became clients of ours. And so, you've got to do the numbers and figures and see, well, there's actually a cost in getting out. Hopefully, there's a bit mm. of capital gains tax because it has gone up a little bit in value. There's the selling cost. There's the buying costs. But what's the opportunity cost if you don't move ahead? Mm. So I guess the. The thing is to get a good team around you and allow your team to objectively look at your business. I think the other important thing is to begin with the end in mind. That's why we start with a strategy and get the right ownership structures up front. When people are starting off, uh, sometimes it doesn't make sense to own properties in a family trust or, yeah, or in a company or, and I'm not giving financial advice and SMSF because that needs specific advice, doesn't always make sense up front, but 20, 30, 40 years down the track, and a lot of our clients have been investing for that long. Uh, they wish they'd bought it in a different entity. Mm. So begin with the end in mind. And one of the big lessons I try to teach them is if you're the smartest person in your team, you're in trouble. Yeah. Everyone, we've got 25 million property invest, experts in Australia. <laughs> Everyone knows something about property. They've lived it. They, they've invested in it. They, 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 they've read my blogs. They've listened to your podcast. Um, so sometimes you've got to change their biases. There's that confirmation yeah, bias. That they They look for something that they already have made their mind up. Yes. about. And this is intelligent people, yeah, but correct. we're not smart, we're not rational when it
0: comes to money. That's such a fitting way to to kind of wrap our chat because um, investing in property can be highly, highly emotional. You call it the fear of missing out or once you're in and then there's an issue that goes wrong with the tenant's one partner's like, this is why we shouldn't have invested. And the other person's like, we'll stay on the course and the market goes up. And now, Hey, we should cash in and, and, and do something else. Or you hear the great stories about someone bought a property two years ago and it's tripled in value. Um, and it's like, why not us? And, and all those stories. And I often say to clients, you can ask a buyer's agent a financial planner a mortgage broker listen to the media two sets of parents friends family and other investors and you've got 10 sets of conflicting advice about how to buy maybe that first or second investment property so you can understand why people get overwhelmed or stuck or that ability to make make a decision to move on because one's saying buying a trust or one saying buy through an SPF or one's saying buy brand new or one' saying buy buy regional one saying we'll buy a house or buy a unit so you can understand that it can be quite overwhelming for an mm. investor to shut out that noise uh, as well isn't
1: it i guess most people have got a vested interest the media they're not there to educate you their vested interest is to get you to click on the links <laughs> to actually uh, sell they've already sold your eyeballs to their advertisers so they want to get you there there's the property marketers and at the moment there's a whole new range of very enthusiastic well-intentioned but uh Inexperienced buyer's agents who there's a course to be able to do this and, and they just they're missing out on the perspective. So I think buyer's agents have got a very important role. Uh, our team uh, is probably one of the most active buyer's agencies in Australia, but they're actually fulfilling the order that's been put by the property strategist Mm. so be careful who you're getting advice from even if they're enthusiastic Uh, buyers agents in melbourne will almost only tell you to invest in melbourne because they don't know sydney they don't know brisbane and if they fly in and fly out and say that they do they don't have the perspective that the on the ground people do so i guess a final lesson is be careful not everybody's on your side
0: Mm. no sage advice thank you very much Michael, it's been, uh, it's been such a privilege to have a chat. We, I mean, we could literally chat for hours about, uh, we about your just started. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure we're going to get you back on because there's, uh, there's a lot of unfinished business and I'm sure we'll get a lot of comments and a lot of feedback because not only did you have a great reputation, but you have lived and breathed this for such a long time through so many cycles in the market. And it's a testament to where you are now that staying the course and, and staying true to, to the strategy reaps rewards and dividends well into the future not the short-term sugar hit as well thank you thank you very much for your time it's been a real pleasure and a privilege to have a chat michael and we'll include your details and if anyone's keen to to reach out to michael and his team from metropole we'll, we'll be sure to include the details and we'd love your comments and if you found this episode helpful please shoot us a message or leave us a review as well we'd love that michael thank you very much for your time been an absolute pleasure And that wraps up another episode of the Australian Property Investment Podcast. You've been here listening to Michael Yardy, myself, Aaron. Until next time, take care.